Welcome to Let's Review RN. My name is Bryn O'Donnell, and I'm a certified adult and geriatric nurse practitioner. I work as a cardiology APN and function as a visiting professor and clinical instructor for a BSN program. This is an independent production by myself, and I am not representing any educational institution. My goal is to deliver a condensed but robust review on topics primarily discussed in Adult Health 1 and 2 and some pieces of pharmacology of a bachelor degree nursing program. Over the years, I've learned that students have an immense amount of confusion and questions when they leave didactic, which makes applying what they are learning nearly impossible to the clinical setting. I want to break down the basics so that you can continue to build upon your knowledge and put the pieces together. Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Let's Review RN. If you listened to the podcast last week, we started on a new endocrine topic, hypothyroidism. I think it is only appropriate that I put the pieces together as far as how hypothyroidism affects the heart. Deficiency of thyroid hormone can wreak havoc on your heart. In the hypothyroidism podcast, I went over some of the common symptoms, but to review cardiac symptoms that we see in patients with hypothyroidism include bradycardia, which means a slow heart rate less than 60 beats per minute. It usually is seen as sinus bradycardia, meaning that you have normal you have a normal rhythm and a normal electrical pathway, but it is just a slower heart rate. Patients will present with fatigue, lethargy. They can complain of exertional breathlessness or shortness of breath on exertion. They can even describe their symptoms as becoming extremely tired with less and less activity. Another cardiac symptom that we will see with hypothyroid patients is high blood pressure. You can see a rise in both the systolic and the diastolic equally, if not the diastolic more than the systolic blood pressure. It is also common to see patients who have hypothyroidism develop non-pitting lower extremity edema, which seems to just be persistent. During echocardiograms, you may note the appearance of fluid around the heart. 25% of hypothyroid patients develop a small pericardial fusion, which is fluid that accumulates in the sac around the heart, called the pericardium. Often, this does not require intervention to manually drain the fluid out because as you treat the hypothyroidism, the fluid will slowly become absorbed and the pericardial fusion will shrink. Now let's review how thyroid hormone production, specifically T3 and T4, is completed. The thyroid gland is stimulated by the release of TSH from the anterior pituitary gland to release T3 and T4. The thyroid takes iodine from our diet, combines it with an amino acid called tyrosine, and converts to T3, which contains three iodine atoms, and to T4, which contains four iodine atoms. T4 is produced solely by the thyroid gland, and about 20% of T3 is produced from the thyroid gland, and the other 80% of T3 is formed from T4 by the removal of one iodine atom from T4 in a process called deiodination. This process occurs primarily in the liver and the kidneys, but T3 is produced in some, if not all, of our tissue. There are factors that inhibit the conversion of T4 to T3, which include stress, starvation, beta blockers, amiodarone, corticosteroids, and iodinated contrast media. Thyroid gland synthesizes and stores large quantities of T3 and T4 with the protein thyroglobulin. When the thyroid gland is stimulated by TSH to release T3 and T4, it is released into the bloodstream and transported throughout the body. Most are bound to plasma proteins, while a small portion circulates as free hormone that enters the cells and triggers metabolism. 
99.9% of T4 and 99.5% of T3 in the bloodstream are bound to serum protein, which I will not get into the specifics, but it it becomes overly scientific for the purpose of this podcast. But when you have 0.02% of free T4 and 0.5% of free T3 circulating in the bloodstream, it is this concentration that is responsible for the biological activity. There is a relationship between free T4 and TSH concentrations, and very small changes of free T4 stimulate very large changes in TSH. A high TSH level indicates poor thyroid gland function or hypothyroidism. If the thyroid is not making enough hormone, the pituitary gland continues releasing TSH in the blood. Measuring free T4 concentrations measures the amount of T4 which is unbound to proteins. A low free T4 will indicate hypothyroidism, while a high free T4 will indicate hyperthyroidism. T4, also known as thyroxine, controls the activation and inactivation of enzymes which regulate a faster heartbeat and how strongly the heart contracts. Thyroxine, or T4, also controls how responsive our heart is to the hormone adrenaline. T4 also aids in the relaxation of our blood vessels, both by its own effect and by controlling the release of EDRF, which stands for endothelial-derived relaxing factor. This is why if we are deficient in thyroid hormones, specifically T4, we can see a rise in our blood pressure. Another simple way to think of hypothyroidism is that we are deficient in thyroid hormones and everything is low. Everything slows down and everything gets a bit stiff. The contractility of the heart becomes less effective, our heart rate slows down, our blood pressure goes up due to increased stiffness of the blood vessels as well as what we previously talked about, which is you see a decrease of EDRF, which helps to relax blood vessels. All of this results in decreased circulating blood and oxygen due to increased blood pressure, decreased heart rate, and decreased contractility of the heart. But because the entire body has slowed down in hypothyroidism, the tissues do not need as much oxygen, and therefore, this does not manifest as a major problem. It is important to note that as a patient with hypothyroidism presents with a slower heart rate, the QT interval will prolong. People who have prolonged QT intervals and then you combine this with medications which further prolong the QT interval are more prone to developing complications such as torsades, which is a dangerous heart rhythm. Patients can develop more ectopic heartbeats or arrhythmias due to hypothyroidism, which can potentiate the need for antiarrhythmic medications such as amiodarone. One of the potential adverse effects of amiodarone is amiodarone-induced thyroid dysfunction, either hypothyroidism or hyperthyroidism. A patient with heart failure who already has pre-existing weakened heart muscle, hypothyroidism can make this worse. You decrease the heart rate and decrease the contractility of an already weakened heart. This can exacerbate symptoms of heart failure. On the contrary, in patients who have angina, hypothyroidism can in some ways help. When you have angina, you have a mismatch of supply and demand of oxygen to the tissue. With hypothyroidism, angina tends to get better because the body's requirements go down, and therefore the supply and demand mismatch becomes more equal. This is not to say that it is a safe condition or a way to compensate angina because we know that hypothyroidism can cause an inflammatory response thus inducing an even further narrowing of the arteries of the heart if left untreated. 
This is something to be aware of because angina can be masked by hypothyroidism. Hypothyroid patients often have cholesterol issues, including very high levels of LDL, VLDL, total cholesterol, and triglycerides. The silver lining to all of this is that as you correct hypothyroidism, most of the cardiovascular abnormalities tend to normalize. The main takeaway from all of this is it is important to educate our patients. We need to educate our patients that if they become aware of symptoms of tiredness and fatigue, weight gain, and depression, it is important to have your thyroid screened. It is also common that you may be referred to a cardiologist for further workup if you're diagnosed with hypothyroidism, but know that as you treat the thyroid symptoms, most often the cardiac symptoms will improve. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode of Let's Review RN. I always think it's important to kind of circle back around when, we, when I educate you guys about these different disease processes and to really tie the pieces together. So again, you can always reach me at Instagram handle Let's Review RN. Feel free to message me about any questions or any topics you're interested in learning in. And please, I always ask that you rate and review the podcast and it will hopefully inspire the next person to listen and learn. This podcast is for general information review purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine or nursing. The use of this information or any materials provided by Let's Review RN are at the user's own risk. This content is not intended to be a substitute for educational teachings through students' educational institutes or organizations.